There are few great secrets to my professional success. Just hard work and a conscious attempt to draw lessons from things that happened to me and around me and to learn everything I can about my job and find a better way to do it. I worked 80 to 90 hours a week, year round, for two decades, while Gail took care of the kids and made our house a home and supported me in everything I did. The jazz, the 42 car dealerships, the movie theaters, the real estate businesses, the motor speedway, the AAA baseball team, the Delta Center, the radio and TV stations, the advertising and finance firms, I never saw myself doing any of those things. I was a 41-year-old car dealer when I took my first step outside of the car business with the purchase of the Jazz. People ask me if I set out with a plan. No way. The chain of events that began my entrepreneurial career was sparked by three failures. I dropped out of college, got laid off, and got demoted. That was a passage from the book Driven by Larry Miller. Larry, Larry Miller was the richest person in Utah. He passed away in 2009 at the age of 64. He wrote this book while he was dying. When a person is dying and they're telling their life story, I think they're going to tell you everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. In this book, Larry shares with us his business philosophy, his accomplishments, and also his biggest regrets in life. It is easily one of the best books I have read in a long time. Again, the book is called Driven by Larry Miller. Okay, I want to share with you some of my favorite parts from the book and the lessons I took from it. The book begins with Larry at 27 years old. He writes, I was married with two children and I realized I had nothing to fall back on. I had no college education, no special training. All I had was my energy and whatever talent I had been blessed with. I decided I had to be extremely good at something. And the thing I was best at was being a Toyota parts manager. That night, I worked until 10. It was the start of my 90-hour-a-week work schedule. I began working from 7.30 in the morning until 9, 10, or 11 at night, six days a week. I did this for 20 years. So right off the bat, we can see how insane his work ethic was. He was putting in 10 to 15 hours a day. This is not normal or healthy, which is something I'll speak about later in this episode. Larry wrote that he initially worked these crazy hours because he was driven by fear, but he continued because he started enjoying the success as he went along. He said that one of the turning points in his life was when he started paying tithing to the church. He was religious and he was known for not attending basketball games on Sunday, even when his team, the Utah Jazz, was playing. This reminds me of another entrepreneur, Truett Katie, who, co uh, who founded uh, Chick-fil-A. He has often said that uh, his closed on Sunday policy was the best business decision he ever made because it allowed his employees to rest, be with family, and worship God if they chose to. Anyway, all of this uh, reminds me of a saying that goes, work as hard as though it all depended on you, pray as hard as though it all depended on God. Let me say that again. Work as hard as though it all depended on you, pray as hard as as though it all depended on God. Okay, uh, moving on, let's talk about basketball. Larry Miller bought 50% of the Utah Jazz in 1985. If you want to know how he really did it, read the book. I promise you it's a crazy story. Basically, Larry had no cash to put down, he had no business plan, and he was buying an asset 
that had lost $17 million in 11 years. Yet somehow he managed to convince bankers to loan him $8 million, which was two times his net worth. Anyway, the reason he bought the Jazz was because he wanted to keep the team in Utah. So he bought it for emotional reasons, not for investment reasons. And this is generally the case when someone buys a sports franchise. They are usually doing it because they have some sort of attachment to the team or they want a way to instant fame. Uh, since we're already talking about an NBA team, let's take a quick fun detour and look at how the owners of different NBA teams made their fortune. Uh, let's start with Uncle Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavs. He made his fortune by selling broadcast.com to Yahoo. Next, uh, Steve Ballmer, owner of LA Clippers, made his fortune from Microsoft. Tillman Fertitta, Houston Rockets, he owns Landry's. Mickey Arisen, owner of the Miami Heat. His father, Ted, founded Carnival Cruise. Michael Jordan, Charlotte Hornets, made his money from basketball and Air Jordan. Joseph Tsai, Brooklyn Nets, co-founder of Alibaba. Dan Gilbert, Cavs, owner of Rocket Mortgage. The biggest expense at a sports team is player salaries, which in recent years have just been going up and up and up. In the book, Larry writes... You can make money with an NBA team as an appreciating asset, but in terms of annual profit, it basically just pays for itself. A couple of years ago, I read a book called The Making of a Blockbuster by Wayne Huizenga. If his name sounds familiar, that might be because you know him as the founder of the DVD rental company Blockbuster. Huizenga was also the owner of several sports franchises. He owned a baseball team, an American football team, and a hockey team. So this book gave me some background knowledge on what it was like to own a sports franchise. Anyway, Huizenga shared the same sentiment as Larry Miller when he wrote, The value of sports franchises seem to be going up every year, but there's not a lot of money to be made in sports on a profit and loss basis. If you look at the stock prices of publicly traded football clubs, whether it's Manchester United, Ajax or Juventus, you will you will notice that their share prices have gone nowhere in decades, which is kind of interesting. Also, when you own a sports franchise, you are expected to run it for the benefit of the fans and the community. You can't put your you can't put your interest first. So sports so pro sports is a strange business that way. The employees make more than the bosses. Okay, back to the book. There's a great chapter in the book in which Larry Miller writes about his views on money and personal finance. I think this is great stuff. Let me read a passage to you. To obtain financial independence, I decided that whenever I was given a raise in my salary, instead of increasing my standard of living, I saved it. The mistake many people make is that when they get pay increases, they buy boats, fancy cars, bigger houses, designer clothes, or exotic vacations, so they never get ahead. They're earning more money, but they're increasing their expenses. Then he goes on to say, I advise people not to change their standard of living as their income increases. Protect the base. It was never a temptation to change my standard of living. I don't need anything better than what I have. So this reminded me of Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, Actually, one of the first autobiographies I read was his excellent book, Made in America. And in the book, he said that when the media found out that he was the richest man in America, 
they came to see him and they were kind of shocked when they saw Sam Walton because he drove an old pickup truck with cages in the back for his bird dogs and he wore a Walmart cap. I think that's really cool because he kept living the same way despite his net worth. Okay, let's circle back to Larry Miller. Again, the book that I'm talking about is called Driven by Larry Miller. The last chapter of the book is titled The Long Goodbye. It is a really sad chapter. Larry Miller is looking back on his life and he is full of regrets. He admits that he admits that the crazy work hours, the bad diet, the not being there for his children when they were growing up, all of that eventually caught up with him and shortened his life. As he was dying, he had to get his legs amputated and he was also on dialysis. If you Google Larry Miller Utah Jazz, you will see a picture of him sitting courtside in a wheelchair. So we are near the end of the book now and he is giving us a piece of advice. He writes, The lesson is to take care of yourself, to make time to eat and sleep and exercise. I learned that lesson too late. The book ends with an epilogue written by his wife, Gail Miller. In it, she tells a story about how one day, Larry Miller comes home and he says, I feel so bad that the children are missing out on so much because I am working. To which she replies, they're not missing anything. I am making sure of that. You are the one missing out. I think there's a lot of wisdom in her reply. So I am going to end the podcast here. If you enjoyed the episode, please give it five stars on Spotify. It means a lot. Thank you so much for tuning in.